Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Steve Fowler, lead pastor, as he begins. As Laura reminded us, we're in this series of sacred conversations. And uh, if you want to grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to be getting to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch here in a couple seconds. Years ago, a guy named Major Ian Thomas uh, was at the church that uh, I was pastoring, Kelso, Washington. Some of you know that name. Uh, Ian Thomas uh, started Torchbearers International, uh, started uh, the Capron Way Missionary Fellowship. And uh, he's a teacher. Actually, he's gone to be with the Lord. Uh, He's a teacher and uh, a Bible teacher and traveled the world. And uh, he was uh, in Kelso, Washington. He was speaking in the morning and the evening when we were there. And he does this all around the world. And he told a story when he was with us of having one of those weeks of back-to-back meetings, morning and evening, morning and evening, going, going, going. When the week was over, he was just thoroughly exhausted. Had a long flight home. And as he was uh, boarding that plane, he throws up sort of a, a desperate prayer to God and just begs God that on this night flight going home that he would just have a peaceful flight and uh, if he could just not have any conversation and he'd rest while on the plane, if God would just give that to him, uh, he'd be so grateful. And as he boarded the plane, uh, sort of nestled into his aisle seat and put his his bags overhead and uh, just the plane was quiet, the lights were dimmed and as the plane was sort of backing away from the gateway, uh, his eyes are closed, and he hears, psst, psst, and uh, he, he just sort of keeps his eyes closed, um, ignoring the sound, and again he hears, psst, so he opens his eyes and looks to the window uh, of, the, of the road that he's in, and that, that gentleman has got his eyes closed, and again he hears, psst, and looks across the aisle, and there's a gentleman sitting in the aisle seat across from him. He's got a, a Bible in his hands, and uh, he says to, to Ian, uh, I'm, reading, I'm reading about a guy named Nicodemus in John 3. Do you know anything about the Bible? And uh, Ian Thomas sort of just takes a deep breath and says, As a matter of fact, I do know some things about the Bible. And over the course of three or four hours on this flight home, uh, shares the message of John 3 and launches from John chapter 3 and tells the story of God. And before long, this man is giving his life to Christ on a, on a flight across the U.S. And uh, uh, finally, when the plane lands, uh, Ian Thomas gets the much-needed rest he gets. Uh, he needs when he gets, gets home. Uh, but his journey is marked by this, this amazing sacred conversation. Years ago, when I was living in Hood River, we were uh, Trina and I were attending a, a service, and I, I was not a pastor. I was just sitting in a pew and and enjoying God's word. And the service came to a close, and as we were all standing, and the person up front was was leading the closing time, uh, a man named Andy uh, jumped out of his pew and and really scared all of us because uh, he just shouted in a loud voice, uh, "I need somebody's help! I, I need I need someone's help!" I, I don't know what you guys have in here, but uh, I, I need what you have. Can someone please talk to me? Well, a few of us looked around and said, I, yeah, we can have that conversation. And uh, we ended up having a, a conversation with Andy after the service and then had lunch with Andy and Carolyn. And uh, before long, Andy and Carolyn gave their lives to Christ. And uh, they still still serve in that, that church in Hood River and uh, are leading uh, there. 
Um, just a month ago or so, uh, the guys went to a men's retreat, and uh, after leading uh, the evening session, speaking there, uh, a guy named Wayne and I uh, were looking for a place, a table to join to be part of a breakout group. A lot of guys go up in groups or with their shepherding group or small groups, and Wayne and I drove up together and and uh, we're just looking for a group to plug into and uh, uh, look, scan the room. And way back in the left-hand corner, there was a table sort of half full. So we made our way there and I sat down at the table and uh, met, a, met a young man named Shane. And as we began talking, I just asked Shane, uh, yeah, what's your story? Who did you come up here with? Uh, and he said, well, I, I, I don't know anyone. And I came up by myself. I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, I, uh, I drove up by myself because um, I, I want to know Jesus better. I don't know who God is, and I used to be an atheist, and I, I just want to know more about Jesus. And I said, wow, that must, that must have been a bit of a, a scary thing to do. And he said, oh, yeah, I sat out in the parking lot for a half hour, uh, wondering if I should come in, wondering if I was crazy for being here. And I said, and you probably thought, great, now the pastor is sitting next to me. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, it did cross my mind. Uh, and uh, so we, we, we prayed for Shane that he would have a chance to get to know Jesus and that Jesus would reveal himself to, to Shane. And the next day we, we were having a listening time and uh, Shane was out on a deck asking God to speak to him and getting a little frustrated because he wasn't hearing anything. And then God directed him to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 17, where he read, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And get this next line. So that you may know, so that you may know him better. And Shane shared with our group at the table that when he read that last line, that I may know him better, he broke down and wept because that's why he came. And as he read to all the guys on an evening his journal at 11.22 a.m. on that Saturday, he became a Christ follower. And uh, I, I love stories. Don't you love stories like that? Stories, I mean, they're not everyday experiences, but they're these, these sacred conversations that, that just seem to just happen right in front of you. Uh, you get to see God at work, and you, you get to understand that our God loves people. He loves people, and He's pursuing people. He pursued us. And he sought after us and, and many of us were searching and we were looking and, and God revealed himself to us. And, and I believe God purposely positions people at sacred moments in people's lives so they would come to know who he is. He's, God is pursuing people because of his deep love for them. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 uh, says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Some people, sometimes we get in this, this idea that, that God is a God who just can't wait to judge. No, 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 no. He's a God who's so patient. He's, he's waiting to return because he is just patient with everyone. He does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Literally, everyone to come into agreement of how he sees things. He wants people to align their lives with him. 
John chapter 12, verse 32, records the words of Jesus when Jesus says, When I am lifted up from the earth, describing uh, his crucifixion, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. That word draw is a word picture. It's taking from the, the fishing industry of their day. It's the idea of throwing a net out into the water and drawing that net back into the boat. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. God is casting a net. He's throwing his net and he's drawing people to himself. Theologians call this drawing a prevenient grace. The grace given to us to even seek after God. We're so far apart from God that we don't even have it in us to seek him. This prevenient grace to, that we would be drawn to him. And God uses in that drawing process people like you and I he he you we are the net so to speak he he uses us he's by his spirit drawing people to himself and he uses us in simple ways in very conversational ways to be used by him to draw people to him God purposely positions us in neighborhoods God purposely positions us in the workplaces we're in in, in the neighborhoods, the, the, the walking paths that we normally walk, the places we work out, the coffee shops we sit in, the restaurants that, would, that, uh, that we go to, ha- to have breakfast in or lunch or dinner at, God purposely positions us at the right time so that conversations could happen that could change an individual's life. And we're going to see one of those in Acts chapter 8, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. So would you stand as we read God's holy word today? I'll read if you would just follow along. I'll begin reading in verse 26. This amazing story that Luke writes about in, in Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is God's holy word and you may be seated.
It's a fascinating story. And once again, we see God purposely positioning people at just the right moment for that, that sacred conversation to take place so that someone would come alive in Christ, so that net would be cast, and someone would be drawn to him. This story just gives you an idea of just how far-reaching Judaism was in that day. That Judaism had reached down into, into Africa, into Ethiopia, and, and some biblical scholars believe that that's a result of a visit of a, a queen of Sheba, or sometimes referred to as the queen of the south, 1 Kings chapter 10. You can read about that story where this queen comes and, and meets Solomon and, and because of rumors of his wealth and wisdom, and she leaves astounded by his wealth and wisdom, but also impressed with the God of Israel. And perhaps that's how Judaism made its way down to Ethiopia. And some 900 to 1,000 years later, we have this, this Ethiopian man, this, this eunuch, who is making the journey to Jerusalem. He, he's a God-fearer. He is a seeker. He has questions about who God is. And so he's coming to Jerusalem to worship this God. Now, um, you, you know what a eunuch is. Uh, this, this man, a eunuch, it, it means that that he has been uh, what the Bible calls emasculated or uh, or castrated, um, and he's, 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 this has happened to him because in most cases when someone is put in charge of a, a harem of a king, uh, they go through this this procedure so they're not a, a threat to the the king's wives or to this harem. Or if they're working closely with the queen, uh, they'll also uh, become a eunuch. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, so that the king is, isn't threatened by this person who's working so closely with his wife. Uh, as, as this eunuch is making the journey to Jerusalem, uh, you need to understand there's some hurdles that he is going to have to overcome. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1, is, is probably not a verse you memorized in Sunday school. Uh, but it says this, no one who has been emasculated or, or castrated, literally, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, we don't know if this Ethiopian eunuch knows this or not, but I can guarantee you that when he gets to the temple, the religious leaders know this. And maybe even as he comes to worship, he gets the sense that uh, he's not, you know, welcome here. You've seen the sign in restaurants, right? No shoes, no shirt, no service. Uh, there's kind of the... No, I'm sorry. You're not, uh, no, that, it was the holiness code. It was the holiness code of the day. If you're a eunuch, if, if, if you've been emasculated, you, you're, you're cut off from God, and you're not welcome in the assembly of the Lord. He makes this journey to Jerusalem, and we don't know all the details of how that journey went, but perhaps he, he, he perceived some resistance. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't even allowed in the courtyard of the Gentiles. But maybe he was. Maybe he, he got into the courtyard of the Gentiles and he worshipped God from a distance. He worshipped God from a distance. And now, after this worship experience in the temple, he's headed home. He's an educated man. He's wealthy and, and probably in Jerusalem. He's, he's purchased this scroll of Isaiah. He's purchased a scroll of Isaiah, and, and he can read, which is much more rare in his day than it would be in ours. And he's reading the scroll of Isaiah as he's made this journey to Jerusalem, perhaps met some resistance, uh, didn't have his questions answered about who God is, and he's going back to Ethiopia. Meanwhile, there's revival breaking out in Samaria. You remember when the church just came to life in Jerusalem, and then Stephen is stoned, and Saul is there approving of the stoning of Stephen, and, and Saul, is, who's going to be Paul, is going to write much of the New Testament. 
Saul is, he's persecuting the church and the church is fleeing Jerusalem and now they're in Samaria and Judea and there's Samaritans that are turning to Christ. There's this great revival, miracles, healings and Philip, a deacon, is in the middle of it. He's in the middle of it and God speaks to him. God sends an angel and says, Philip, I want you to go to the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Head out there. And Philip does that. He listens and he heads out to the desert road. It's an interesting little scene, isn't it? He's in the middle of God's activity. Miracles, healings, uh, just seeing God at work. And God says to him, I want you to leave this center of activity of where I'm at work. And I want you to go to a nowhere place. To a desert road where there's long stretches where there's no towns, no villages, no rest stops. You've driven those highways, right? There's, you just, is, please let there be a gas station and you see a sign, next gas station, 120 miles. Uh, you just want a bottle of water or something, a long stretch of highway. And that, the desert road is, is this dirt road with no villages, no, there's nothing out there yet. Philip obeys the angel of the Lord, gets out to this desert road, and here on this desert road is this Ethiopian eunuch who's coming from Jerusalem. He's come up to worship. He's purchased a scroll. He's coming back down to worship. And here is this sort of divine collision that's about to take place. God purposely positioning people. God casting his net, drawing people to himself. And here is Philip on this desert road, hearing again the Spirit say, get near that chariot. And there is Philip at the chariot, now seeing all that's coming together, sort of hearing the psst, psst. I'm reading Isaiah 53. Do you know anything about the Bible? I mean, that's not, not how it goes, but, but you know, Philip is there kind of standing by the chariot. The, 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 the Ethiopian eunuch has got a scroll. Don't think Bible as a book. Think scroll. He's working his way from chapter 1 to, to through the scroll. And he's at chapter 53 and he's reading aloud. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. He's reading this messianic prophecy that Isaiah would write hundreds of years before Christ was crucified. And, and, and Philip just asks a simple question. He's, he's in this divine collision and he just sees an opportunity. God's led him to this place and just asks a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I? How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And before long, you've got Philip jumping in a chariot and explaining, answering questions. Who is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And he's just answering the questions, telling the story of Jesus, launching from Isaiah 53. We don't have all the details of what he said, but obviously he began talking about Jesus, talking perhaps about his birth, talking perhaps about the ministry of Christ, how Jesus touched lepers, how Jesus just uh, sent out evil spirits from people, how Jesus taught with authority, how Jesus went to the cross. And everyone thought... It's done, it's over. How Jesus on the third day conquered the grave and how he appeared to people and how he ascended in heaven. How the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
And how, how people are being baptized with fire. And somewhere along in the conversation, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's taking it all in. And his heart is open to the gospel of Christ. And, and he just blurts out, why shouldn't I be baptized? There's some water over there. And before long, we got Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch in the water on a desert road, headed south. And a man comes alive in Christ. Philip I don't know all that happens here. Does he teleport? Does he just disappear? I I don't know. Uh, It's a crazy portion of scripture. But the Ethiopian eunuch comes out of that water rejoicing because his questions have been answered because God purposely positions people at the right moment, at the right place to engage in a sacred conversation. And God continues to do this over and over again. The God who is so patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. The God who's throwing his net, who by his spirit is drawing men and women, boys and girls, to himself. The God who is redeeming a people he has created. Uh, Let me just make some points of application or observation uh, from this passage. And some are just plain and obvious. The first one is simply this. There there are people who are seeking uh, and searching after God. I I think at times that we, we, we forget that there are people who are searching. They have spiritual questions. People that you know. People perhaps that you, you think don't have any interest in who God is. Or maybe people who you even perceive as hard-hearted or disinterested. There are people who are searching and seeking after God. And God has put you in their life. He's put you in their life at an intersection that, that perhaps a sacred conversation could take place. A conversation seasoned with salt, as Paul puts it in the book of Colossians. As he says, be prepared to answer questions. And questions come our way, we ask questions, and a life can be transformed just through a simple, sacred conversation. People are seeking after God. In fact, um, in this story, we, we not only have people who are seeking after God, we have a God who is seeking after people. And so that's why it's important in this whole process of a sacred conversation to have our ears tuned to the Spirit. Uh, Philip is in Samaria, where the good stuff is happening. And an angel of the Lord says, go to the desert road. I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes we have those promptings from God. Um, an angel or a spirit says, you know, take a meal to that person. Or go have a conversation with that person. Or, or ask that person about this. Or maybe God's put you there and, and, and you recognize that here's an opportunity to engage in a conversation. Ears tuned to the spirit. And ready to obey. I remember when, when uh, Trina and, and some ladies came back from their uh, visit to the Middle East. That The story was, was told. I don't have all the details of it. The story was told of a person who, uh, who felt prompted that they were supposed to bring a Bible to a store. That they were supposed to take this Bible with them to, to this, this place. And... Um, well, it's, it's a Muslim place and a Muslim country, and uh, you know there's risks involved in doing that. But this person felt like ah, that's what they were supposed to do, supposed to do. I don't know if they did it right away or if it was a little bit later. But um, but at the same time, there was a, a man who had a dream, 
a dream that, uh, that someone was going to bring them a Bible. And so this, this man was in a parking lot in front of a store waiting for someone to bring them a Bible. Now, this person who had been prompted by the Spirit to bring the Bible, I think, drugged their feet a little bit and, and a few hours later came to this parking lot and saw this man and felt like that they were supposed to give him the Bible. And so they did, and the man's response was, What took you so long? Uh, God told me that, that someone was going to bring me a Bible. It, it's, a, it's really a, an amazing story of of God speaking to someone who follows him and God speaking to someone he's drawing to him and bringing them together to help someone take that next step of faith. The Spirit is prompting and he's, he's touching, inviting us to join him in what he is doing. There are people who are searching and seeking and we need to have our ears tuned and we need to be ready to obey. And finally, simple, simply, we get to ask great questions. Do you understand what you're reading? Sometimes sacred conversations, we, we, we make them out to be so intimidating or, or so uh, uh, bigger than, or you know, more complex than they really need to be. I mean, Philip is just following the promptings of the Spirit, standing next to a chariot, listening to an Ethiopian eunuch read from Isaiah 53, and all he says is, do you understand what you're reading? And it, the conversation just takes off. I, I was getting my hair cut yesterday. There's a woman cutting my hair. She's got tattoos on her arms. And we were having a conversation about her family. And I just saw one tattoo was a tattoo of a cross, a Celtic cross. And, um, and it intrigued me. Also, another tattoo of her, of her son's footprint when he was born on her on her bicep and i talked about her tattoos and i just when i got to the cross said is there a story behind the tattoo you got on your forearm that, that cross and she said well not really i just kind of like old things and i like that old design of the cross i thought it was beautiful and had a tattoo of it and you know i i just felt like that was as far as god wanted me to go I just was supposed to ask the question and see if there was anywhere else I could go in that conversation. Not every conversation leads or, or ends at this point where someone gives their lives to Christ. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it just is something that God uses as a seed in their own head. We don't know. There's, there's mystery to it. But what we do know is that God is purposely positioning us in the lives and the places and the lives of people so that a sacred conversation could take place. And so the life may come alive in Jesus Christ. We've been showing you some videos over the weeks uh, of, of these sacred, uh, these, these, this whole idea of sacred conversations. And we've got one for you today of a young woman named Anna. Anna is a student at Western Oregon University studying biology and chemistry. Would like to be a surgeon, a missionary, uh, me- medical missionary. Um, and just listen to her story. She just goes to a corner grocery store and watch how God just opens up. A sacred conversation. So I'm Anna Mosqueda. I'm 20 years old. I go to Western Oregon University. I'm a double major biology and chemistry, hoping to become a surgeon and later on a missionary. About a month ago, I was at the grocery store just buying tomatoes, and I hear the strangest thing. This guy actually speaking in Portuguese, a language you don't normally hear in Salem. And he's asking for goat milk, but not necessarily just say you can have some goat milk in Portuguese. He's actually animating 
a goat, almost on the floor, making a goat, making the bath. <laughs> and so I come to him and ask in Portuguese, is there something I can help you with? And he's delighted to see that someone else speaks Portuguese. And he asks for, for goat milk. And I tell him there's no goat milk. So the next day, normally I go for my, for my you know, normal jog at 3 p.m. And usually it lasts about an hour, if an hour and a half if I'm lucky. And I just see this guy coming towards me. And I didn't think anything of it because normally people are walking during that time. But he kind of grabs my attention and says, Hey, do you remember me, the guy with the goat milk? And at first, like, I didn't really recognize him. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. And then he asked me what I was doing later that day, kind of, like, hitting on me but not, you know. I was totally thinking he was. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to choir practice. And out of nowhere, he's like, choir? You sing? And I'm like, well, I try to. <laughs> so he ended up coming with me to choir. And we sat down first, waiting for everyone to get get situated and then when Logan finally calls us up he just sits through the choir sits watching us and kind of just thinking to himself I guess because he was just I I remember looking down on him like not on him but like at him about three or four times making sure he wasn't completely bored and I just remember seeing this huge smile on his face and I had no idea if he even understood what we were saying yeah, I remember him clapping a couple times, but overall, I really don't think he understood what he was listening, but I saw the greatest joy in his face, and when we come back down, I see his eyes, and his eyes have been watering. I, I was like, was this uncomfortable for you? I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, no, no, that's fine. We ended up going back to my car, and he sat in my car, I'm still crying, and finally, I'm having this conversation with him I never thought was going to happen. We're talking about if he's ever accepted Christ in his life, if he's ever even known about it. And he's like, my mom knows about him, but I was never really into it. And so we just sat down, and he's like, I think I know why God wants me here. And I'm like, why? I kind of know what he was going to say, but I kind of wanted him to actually say it. So he's like, I think it's been long enough that I have been lost, and I want to be saved. And then... That next weekend, he ended up going back to Portugal, where he emails me and says, you know, thank you for for talking to me, and thank you for inviting me to your church. And he has a girlfriend back at home who is now converting as well. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to lead him into prayer. I didn't know how, how to even talk to him about it. I kind of just told him my personal experience of how it happened, and I never knew that he was a person I was going to keep in contact with and I never knew that because of me butting into his conversation with the goat milk that we would ever even have to have a conversation about Christ because the Louise story doesn't normally happen and if I would have just been you know, in my own little world I would never have you know, picked it up I never would have done anything and I wouldn't be having this conversation so just stuff like that, now I realize that God does do everything for a reason. Oh. Makes sense, right? Goat milk, Jesus. Uh, can, can you see us that normal, everyday, go to the grocery store, and then God 
just purposely positioning you for a sacred conversation that would just totally revolutionize someone's life. A young man who's here for a short period of time, who's back in Portugal, and now he's led his girlfriend to Christ, and keep an eye on Portugal. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knew what would happen in Ethiopia? See, church fathers link the, the history of Christianity in Ethiopia to this passage. Do you know that today Ethiopia is surrounded by Islamic nations, but Ethiopia itself, over half the population are Christian. There is more Christian heritage in Ethiopia than perhaps any other place in Africa. And it's linked back to the story to a man whose ears were tuned to what the Spirit was saying and who asked a question. And literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people's lives have been transformed because someone asked a question and someone had a conversation. There's a postscript to this story. Because remember, Philip is gone and the Ethiopian eunuch is coming out of the water. He's back in his chariot and he's still headed to Ethiopia and he's still got that scroll in his hand and he's still reading. Uh, And again, don't think book. He doesn't just go back to Isaiah uh, chapter 1. I think he's at Isaiah 53 and he opens that scroll again and he keeps reading. And what he's about to read, I believe, will make him weep. What he's about to read will only confirm God's grace and and just the the personal message of God to him and Isaiah. As he moved along through Isaiah, I believe he, he came to Isaiah 56. And listen to these words, Isaiah chapter 56, beginning in verse 3, from the Ethiopian eunuch's perspective. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Perhaps that was his experience in Jerusalem. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better Than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. What a gracious message from Almighty God to a man who would never have children, to a man who probably tried to accomplish and achieve so he could make a name for himself, and he discovers a God who says to him, you you weren't allowed to go inside that temple, but here's the deal. I've come inside of you, and I'm going to give you a name. Stronger and more powerful in the names of sons and daughters. I'm going to give you a legacy beyond all comparison. And isn't that just the amazing grace of who God is? God loves people. He loves you. And he's positioned you purposely in the lives of those around you who don't yet know him so a sacred conversation could take place. Would you pray with me? So, Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Would you grant us the courage? Would you grant us the boldness to speak, to ask, to comfort? Whatever you are calling us to do, Lord, would you just use us as your instrument, as your net, 
used by you as you are drawing men and women, boys and girls, to yourself. Thank you for the many in this room who do that very thing, who know the joy of entering in those conversations. And Lord, may more conversations arise and may the people of Salem and Kaiser come alive in you. May there be a great and mighty harvest. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Steve Fowler, lead pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.